And welcome into the latest edition of the Sharpshooters. I'm David Schuster, and this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. More from our sponsor in just a bit. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Mr. Joe Colley, who is the Bulls beat writer for the Chicago Sun-Times. And you can follow Joe, as I do, on Twitter at Hoops. And Joe will get right to it. As we uh, record this, what is today? Today's Thursday afternoon. Yeah. The Bulls still lead the Eastern Conference. I think it's a game and a half right now over uh, the second-place team. Through 35 games, you know, I'm surprised, and yet I'm not surprised. I knew this team would be better, um, but did you think they'd be at the top of the standings through 35 games? No, I, I don't. I didn't see them being at the top of the standings, and I still don't know how long that's going to last. Right. Um, there are some flaws to this team, but – yeah, I talked to Billy about this a couple couple weeks ago. The one thing about this this roster that I think a lot of us discounted, I picked them fifth in the preseason, which I thought was pretty high. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I think we discounted was so many guys that have so many chips on their shoulder and are attacking this regular season, kind of like, and I brought this up to Billy, kind of like his Florida teams did with Noah and those guys back in the college days where they just wanted to beat everybody's ass every day. It didn't matter if it was a pickup game. didn't matter if it was a scrimmage. didn't matter if it was a SEC game. I mean, that's just their mentality. I didn't foresee that mentality with this group to this level. And um, they got a bunch of guys that just are really built to do really good things in the regular season because they do have that disrespect card and they play it frequently. Um, you know, the playoffs is a different animal. No one cares about your disrespect cards then. But for the regular season, you know, when you have four or five teams in the East that are pretty talented and are kind of on some nights will just go through the motions or have some guys, you know, with the protocols and are just kind of, yeah, let's just get out of this back-to-back and not get hurt. Um, and then you have another team that comes out with that collegiate mentality of we're going to whoop your ass every night we can. It 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 means something. And I, and I think we're seeing that in the standings. So um, I'm not saying it's fool's gold, but I don't think they're the best team in the Eastern conference. I mean, the standings are the standings, but the NBA is a little different animal and, and buyer beware on them. hundred percent on that. Um, also, you know, we're not able to go into the locker room, obviously ever since COVID broke out, but we at least hear what they have to say, you know, during practices, after games, what have you. And they do talk about a chemistry thing that they have going for them. And obviously winning breeds chemistry. It always right. has, it always will. But I mean, do you pick up on that or, or is that sort of false bravado on their part? But I mean, what do you make out of that? No, I, I, I believe in the chemistry thing. I saw chemistry with that, that 05 White Sox team in spring training. I think a lot of us saw um, chemistry with this group. Um, on the early road trips we went on and were allowed to see them and shoot arounds and kind of get around the team. You saw that pretty early on. I remember in Cleveland, preseason game in Cleveland, um, I was even like, man, the damn, these dudes really do like each other. And you, you, as a writer, you get that sense right away. Now, does it always translate to wins? No. I mean, there's been a bunch of other teams that have liked each other. It doesn't mean wins. But when you have egoless, super, your, your egoless, stars in DeRozan and Vooch and then you have a, a perfect storm of what Zach Levine has gone through in the last year going from finally making an all-star and being justified in putting up numbers that weren't just empty calories because the rest of the league finally said okay you're one of us then going straight to team USA and those and admitting 
you know, last month when I had a one-on-one with him on the West Coast trip, admitting that, yeah, those dudes told me I I, I need to be a better two, two-way player. And I've always been told that. So why did it click in now? Because it was just time. It was just time for it to click in. And so, and then you go straight to everything the organization did for you, building this team around your weaknesses and, and adding strengths to your weaknesses, having that early workout with just he and DeRozan where they could kind of get on the same page and he could see what he's, he's about. It's just been a perfect storm of, of how all that has flowed into what they've become. So no, I, I'm, I'm a big believer that, that chemistry breeds winning um, more so the other way around. Now, I've seen some guys that hate each other and teams that hate each other as you have too. And, and come World Series time or championships, they'll hug each other, but you know in the offseason they hate each other. But they got it done because they were just dogs and it didn't matter. Yeah, 100% on that too. Uh, you mentioned DeMar, and it's hard not to. I mean, you know, the guy's obviously having a great season. I mean, he's, he was always a really good player. Right. Honestly, I think so far he's having his maybe his best season ever through 35 games once again. Um, you know, he hits the two three-pointers in a row back-to-back games. I mean, that's never happened before. So that just adds to his lore for right now. Can he? Can this guy keep it up? I'm not so sure he can, but can, do you think he can keep it up all season and even more importantly into the postseason? Well, that's the thing. I mean, can he do this in the postseason? That's always been his Achilles heel. Um, but he's driven by that too right now. Um you don't think he took note of he gets traded from Toronto, a place he didn't want to leave, and goes to San Antonio and basically goes on the side of a milk carton for three seasons, and then Toronto wins it the first year that he's gone, and he didn't have to slay LeBron. He didn't have to, you know, I mean, so I think a lot of that is itching and driving and is really a, a slap in the face to him of, hey, you all forgot about me, but, you know, I may have been toying in the land of very good for years and years and years, but now I've got a team around me and the perfect kind of parts and role players around me where I could show you that I can do some things in the postseason. I mean, it's almost, look, we, we say this a lot. Yeah, let's just get to the postseason already. With this team, I, I've, I have a feel of, barring injury, I have a feel of what they are in the regular season, you know, 30-some games in. I think that's a pretty good sample size. Yeah, I like to see how they get through these dog days going into the all into the All Star break. That's always kind of a dog days post Christmas All Star break, and then how they come out of that and what trades, if any, come out of this thing. Not only for them, but other teams in the East, what they do. I mean, when you see Milwaukee get rid of Boogie Cousins today because they're clearing a spot for a possible trade, that tells me they're on the horn and they're shopping and they're they're saying, "All right, we think we can do business here." So, um, I want to see what that looks like post all-star post trade deadline. And then hey, let's just, let's just drop gloves and get to get to the, the postseason As far as I'm concerned, we'll talk about Zach in just a moment, but I want to talk about the other two guys that play in the backcourt Lonzo and Alex Caruso. And, and listen, they always say that nobody plays defense in, in the NBA. That's not true. These two no. guys, they play defense. And I'm really, really impressed because I think they go out of their way with their defense first to get to make everything happen for the rest of their game and everybody else's game. And, and their defense actually, I think lifts the entire team. Yep. What do you think? Well, I think first of all, if you're Zach Levine and you did have any questions about playing defense at a high level going into the season, 
what kind of guilt are you feeling with watching those two dudes bust their ass every night the way they do? So that was a perfect cure right there, even if Zach was feeling that way, which I don't think he was. But And then secondly, I think the one game that impressed me the most was the last Knicks game. They threw Caruso on Julius Randle. Randle went five for seven in that first quarter. Pretty efficient. He's a big guy. When he when he when he had Caruso in his hip pocket, he had him in his hip pocket. But he had five turnovers too, because that dude was just harassing him. And so, when you have a guy that's willing to do that, I mean, Caruso's guarded Anthony Davis. Caruso's got, he's guarded. You know, Javante Green. Look at some of the guys they throw him on. He's six four. He's guarding power forwards. Um, and, and Lonzo is another one. You could throw him at one through four, and he could do a number on guys. Um, when you have two players like that, and one's coming with a chip from and, and from the, the, the bosom of LeBron, too, and his teachings, how are you not inspired to be a better defensive player if you're Zach Levine or whoever you are on that team? Vucevic, I think, is actually rim-protecting better than I've seen him in the last month. Um, so I think they're all lifted by those two. You know, you, you mentioned earlier on they still have some flaws, and, and I think you might have just touched ba- uh, touched on yeah. one of them. The fact that you have to guard guys who are 6'10 with guys who are 6'4", 6'5". Okay, the game in the regular season, that's one thing. You get into a seven-game matchup against somebody, that's a whole different ball game. You go against even like a, a team like Philadelphia who might not have a, as a talented roster overall – but Joel Embiid has destroyed the Bulls every single time he's played against them. And Vucevic. So, he's destroyed Vuce, too. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's where the problem is. So, it's almost like AK has got to do something. I don't know what he can do, honestly, because I think right now he's in love with his roster, on you know, like maybe his predecessors. And I don't know if he's going to give up uh, a Kobe White to get something. I, I don't know what he's going to do. What do you think he's going to do? Well, I don't think he knows all the chips that are on the table right now. So... It's easy to come out like he did in, in, a, in a rare in-season interview and and say, you know, I like my team. I don't know if I want to break that chemistry up. Well, let's see who's going to be made available in the next mm-hmm. month still because um, that could change some minds. Um, do you, you know, like I would hate giving up on Patrick Williams with, with one year and then the injury he went through. But if I feel like it's a cutthroat piece – that could get me a chip or at least a shot at Brooklyn or Milwaukee or wherever that other team is standing in the other side of the bracket, Miami, whoever it is, you got to go for it. You can't worry about tomorrow or next season, blah, blah, blah. So has that player presented been presented? No, because I think there's still a lot of teams that feel like, you know, we're still in this thing. We're still have a chance, uh, give it time and then, and, and then see, but yeah, that's a big issue. That spot, because, you mentioned Philly, bad matchup. Who who guards Embiid? I mean, he'll take apart any of those smaller guys they put on him, and he takes Vooch apart. Um, Miami with Bam and then PJ Walker and the physicality they play with up front, bad matchup. Milwaukee, we haven't seen him play Milwaukee this year. Who guards Giannis? You put Javante Green on Giannis? Nope. So I mean. You know, you can throw a bunch of different bodies on them and, and see if that works. But playoff time, when you're not getting those defensive transition uh, points for your offense, the defense has time to settle in on the other end. And then 
you have to guard one of those elite bigs. And, you know, Durant, you can say what you want. They beat Brooklyn twice, but they didn't stop Durant. And now you add Kyrie to the the equation and, and what that's going to look like, whether, you know, I mean, the best thing could happen to Brooklyn is they actually slide to three or four because come playoff time, if they get to that second round, Kyrie plays those first two games if the mandate stays as is. You know, Brooklyn winning the number one seed does nothing for Brooklyn. So, um, you know, so it, it, it's going to be interesting because there's styles make the fight. I know you're a boxing guy, and there's some there's a couple fights out there for the Bulls that they just don't match up well with. I agree. Um, all right, we mentioned Kobe White. Uh, he's starting to come around. Listen, yes. the, guy's been, the guy's been a scorer his whole life. If anybody thought that he wasn't going to continue scoring for the rest of his NBA career, they're out of their mind. So he's starting to do that. And, and you know there is a spot. I mean, it's 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 up to Billy to figure out all the minutes. Dasumu is a lot better player than I thought possible, at least in his rookie season right. coming from college. So I mean, it's interesting. They have a lot of pieces in their backcourt, a lot of fouls to give, if you will. Um, so I don't see you know anybody of that ilk being traded. There's a spot for Dasumu here and Kobe White. You know, it might be game to game, but. Kobe White's not going anywhere. He's too valuable. He's a Jamal Crawford guy coming off the bench. Yeah, and and again, we'll have to see what if something's offered. You know right. what I mean? As of right now, for the rumors floating around of guys that are available, available. Um, I mean, is Grant? Do you go after Grant? But does that really change your size issues? No. I mean, you know, Harrison Barnes a little longer, plays a little longer, but does that really change? Changes a little bit, you know, Bagley, what is he? Are they kicking the tires on, on, on him? Is, is he worth it? Does he think he's an alpha coming over here? Will he be an issue? I mean, there's just a lot of unknowns. And again, that's why I'm willing to let's, let's wait and see what becomes available before I say, yeah, you got to keep Kobe or you got to keep Patrick Williams. I mean, if there's some out there that's a knockout punch, you know, then, then you may have to move from one or both in a package. I'd hate to do that. Um, Because what Kobe does, scoring, is still premium in in the NBA. Um, Is he a redundant player somewhat? Because you have Zach, kind of, but he's coming off your bench. And and I don't think he he stunts Io's growth. But when he's not around and Io gets those minutes, we get to see more flashes of Io. So he does kind of take some minutes away from him, even though they're two different type of players. Um, but can you go forward without that? You know, I, I, I don't know. That's that's the unknown. Hey, Joe, you know, most, if not all, NBA champions, you have to have more than one guy who scores in the fourth quarter. It's just yeah. almost a fact. Uh, DeRozan, obviously, that's been his claim this season is Mr. Fourth Quarter. Zach used to be it in the past. He still can be it. Is there any concern, and, and you're not on the payroll, so I don't think you really care that much. It, you know, it's not your concern, but you think there is a concern potentially who in the, the biggest of the big game gets that those last second shots between those two guys? Um, I would say regular season, no. When these got when you hear Zach and Demar talk about being egoless and not caring who scores, I, I think they truly believe that. But come postseason, that brings some devils out of you. So I think these, but you know, look, DeRozan. I have never heard a bad word about DeRozan postseason preseason regular season as far as a teammate as far as being jealous that Lowry was somehow getting more uh run than him or you just never heard that from him 
So I don't think it would come from him. It'd be interesting if, and I don't think it will. I think those guys can really coexist, but come postseason, that will be tested. Regular season, you can hug it all out. Hey, that was, you know, you're back to back. That was beautiful. I love you. I'm going to tweet great things about you. And come postseason, when the rest of the league's watching and then the, and, and in their eyes, the rest of the world's watching, then that ego list is going to be tested. It's amazing. I've been thinking that exact same thing. Um, the, one, of, one of the beauties of DeRozan, though, is, and I love this part, is that basically he's sticking it up that you know what of all those analytical people, you know, with the three pointers. Yeah, yeah. okay. Three pointers is, is definitely important in the end. NBA. There's no question about it. even exist on three pointers alone. And this man has made a complete career of getting to his spot and, and getting, you know, the 15 footer. It's amazing that he's still able to do it. And teams, it's not the playoffs yet, but teams aren't able to defend it more often than not. That that's really one of the things that I love about his game. And the mid-range is probably the toughest shot to defend in the playoffs because everyone is thinking three or he's taking it to the rim. And that was the problem. It's funny because there's still some some Gar Foreman lackeys in the Bulls organization that were beating that analytics drum a couple of years ago with Boylan about the three-point shot and kind of handcuffing Zach and, and Lowry and those guys complaining to us privately that, you know, we believe in our mid-range and they're not letting us take it. And now they you got this new regime, you still have some of those Gar Foreman guys in there, but they're really quiet now, aren't they, about analytics and the mid-range and um, – because there's a value to it. And I think we saw it from CJ McCullough in the playoffs a couple of years ago. We've always seen it from Kawhi in the playoffs, regular season. We see it from Durant. Now, look, those guys are very good at it, but DeRozan's right there as far as mid-range assassin. And when you have that middle ground that you have to try and defend in the postseason and prepare for that, that's hard because it, it comes about running guys off the three-point line and protecting the rim. And that middle area is always there, especially late in games. So um, that's something I think they could hang their hat on. Um, I think that's something that will be an issue for some teams defensively. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think it's comical. I, I've never been – you know, I've always thought there there's a priority of analytics with sports. And, and baseball, obviously, I think it rings true the most because it is such an individual kind of on an island – where analytics measure the man a lot more, but there's so much that gets lost in analytics with the NBA and especially in the NFL. Don't even get me started with analytics in the NFL, but the NBA, there's so much of personnel on the floor and, and, and just other things that go into it. Um, and, and DeMar kind of just puts his middle finger up at a lot of those, those analytics guys. All right. One more uh, before we get to a break here uh, with our sponsor, uh, Zach is having another great season. Um, yeah. And, and listen, they'll have a decision. I don't know if he's going to get the max or not. It's not my money. I, I couldn't care less if he gets five right. cents or $50 million. I don't care. What do you think? Uh, how do they view it? I mean, is he here for the long run without even worrying about the max? Is he here for the long run? Um, yeah, he has changed my opinion on that. You know, I mean, obviously I had that that sit down with him last month where it was just kind of a one-on-one and he was, yep. I mean, how many guys would sit down and discuss their, value forget their upcoming contract their value in the eyes of a reporter who's been critical of maxing him out and i think the one thing he's done whether it was how last season ended with more failure and then going and playing for team usa 
and embracing that defensive mindset and then coming into this roster and the, and the way some of these guys embrace defense. I mean, he's played, he's done a really good job defensively this year. I'm not saying he's all NBA defensive team. He never will be, but the details he has put on that end shows me that he is committed to being a two-way player. And that's always been my thing is you don't max a guy who's just a one-way player. That's a bat that's in the backcourt. You don't. Historically, it's never worked for as far as a championship team. It just hasn't. And so when you show me someone that it has, I'll say, okay, then you do it. But it just hasn't. And then you are not right away, but eventually you'll be hamstrung in what you can do with the roster. I mean, they've already got these guys under contract. So, you know, they can go luxury tax for a couple of years if they want. Um, and it's not a big concern. But eventually, you're not going to get the tools and weapons around you if you're Zach Levine. So, um, and he knows that. So I think, you know, the max, I think he's going to get, and I think he will be a max player where it gets interesting, super max. That's, that's even bigger. Now you're talking, you know, people love to rip on John Wall's money and, and Harden money. Well, guess what the super max pays you? That's the category it puts you in. Well, you're 45, 42 million. You know, that's bigger than 36, 38. So um, if he makes an all-NBA team, which he very well could, and now you're thinking, okay, well, and he said he's not going to – he, he kind of hinted that he's not hometown discounting that, this thing. Um, when rubber meets the road, if they have a lot of success this year, could he do that and change his mind and go, I love these guys and I will take a little less money to stay? He could. Um but it's that's that's going to be interesting, and that's definitely a storyline for after the postseason. Yeah, you're right about that. And you know as well as anybody, these guys all measure up against each other by the size of their money contracts. Forget it's not even money, shoe. You've been around. There's there's locker rooms or clubhouses I've been in where they see a dude getting a glove or a bat or cleats or a, a basketball shoe that they don't have, and they're getting pissed about it. So yeah, you're gonna now you're gonna compare contracts. That's that's a whole different animal. So yeah, there's a lot of competitiveness as far as my brand versus your brand and what my brand brings in compared to your brand. All right, take a break for just a second. Uh, have a sip of something. Let me just read this real quickly. And of course, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone is going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 800 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer restriction supply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Again, we're talking with Joe Colley, beat writer for the Chicago Sun-Times. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Hoops. 
let me just ask you about that because you're very animated, obviously, on Twitter, and you love getting into. I think you love getting into at least responding. Hey, listen to your credit. You respond to the people who respond to you. Do you enjoy that? I'm just curious. Um, well, I first of all, I don't block anyone. I've never blocked anyone. Yeah. Um, I have a view of Twitter that it is what it is, and I don't take it serious. And I think it's funny sometimes just to throw some stuff out there that half the time I don't even believe yeah, just too. to then get off, go to sleep and wake up the next day and see like a bunch of people getting a fight over what I said, which I don't even care about. And they all got in a fight amongst each other about it and started, you know, getting into the, the sewage of calling each other names and blah, blah, blah. Um, look, this the Sun-Times pays me. Twitter doesn't. And I treat it like that. Yeah. So. I- I'm I'm a I'm a hundred percent on that also. I love you know, and sometimes it amuses me. I mean, I'm a, especially back in the baseball season. It would be like in the thirteenth inning, I'm bored out yeah. of my mind. So I would just throw something out there or a rain delay just to amuse myself and have everybody like a cat fight go at each other. Yeah, it's comical. It's comical how serious people take themselves on Twitter. That's what I find funny is how many people take themselves so serious and feel like. Um, this is my platform and look at me beat my chest. And, and, and that's what I find hilarious. And there's a lot of uh, experts on Twitter and people that, uh, you know, think they can do the job better than you. And I just find, I find it quite funny. And so I like, I do this one little gif every so often of from, uh, from the show, the boys where uh, the lead character ran down the hallway and he's got two hand grenades and he throws them both. And then he runs out. Cause that's what I like doing. That's what I, half the time I send a tweet out. It's just hand grenade, hand grenade. I'm out. You guys do what you want with those hand grenades. So really, really funny. All right. Uh, we touched a little bit about the East. I don't just want to go through a couple of the conferences real quickly. Um, you know, Brooklyn's finally got Kyrie back. And listen, they're a better team with them than without him. That well, goes without saying. Yeah. You know, Milwaukee Giannis is having another great season. He's had some injuries. He's had COVID. Um, I'm sure they will, like you said, with Boogie uh, Cousins. Uh, and although they did make mention today, they possibly would bring him back. They but could I bring him that... back, probably if there's not a trade for them, they'd look right. to bring him back. And right, that's a okay. guy. That's a guy. I think he's better than Bradley. I think he's yeah. better than Cook. Yeah. And if he actually is to the point where, hey, I just want to come in and help a good team win. He's your second best big man. Why not kick the tires on him? So, um, you know, and he's not the same boogie that he was four or five years ago when people took him as disruptive and stuff. I, I haven't heard one incident out of locker rooms from boogie in the last year, year and a half of the teams he's kicked around. So, you know, his technicals are down. I mean, I, I have no problem with, with him being a piece you bring in and he might not even see the floor in the postseason, but if he helps get you to a spot and take some pressure off that front court, I mean, why not? But yeah, um, I, yeah, we'll, we'll see. All right, so that's Milwaukee. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to be in it just because of Giannis alone. Absolutely. Miami, you know, Jimmy's been in and out of the lineup with different injuries. Is out right now. He should be back by the weekend. Miami is is so well coached. You know, they're going to be there in some capacity at the end. Cleveland is the one team that obviously has surprised a lot of people. Evan Mobley is is an all star in the making, obviously, and he's going to be maybe one of the dominant big men for the next decade. Yeah. What, what, and, what? and, and building that team by taking Milwaukee's formula from four or five years ago, by just going huge. 
Um, when Markinen's your three, and we could say oh, everything we want about Markinen, but he's still a seven-footer, and now there's no pressure on him. I mean, he's an afterthought on that team. You almost forget about that. You almost forget he's on that team. Mobley's taking a lot of the headlines. The fact that Sexton is out of there and Garland, who's a way better player, point guard, can actually run the show has made them better. Jared Allen, I've always liked Jared Allen. I thought that was a huge get for them when Cleveland first landed him. You talk about a perfect piece for the Bulls, Jared Allen. I mean, that would relieve so many problems. Um, so, and, and then Markinen's, you know, I think Kevin Love probably gets more headlines than Markinen. You know what I mean? So Lowry is in a perfect place because there's no longer that pressure of living up to unicorn status on him. And he's had some good nights for them. He's had some Lowry Markinen crap nights for them. Right. But, you know, and there's just, you know, I don't think he's, for a guy that's not, doesn't have a lot of passion, or strikes me as a guy that doesn't have a lot of passion for this and just be, has been kind of just blessed with really good talent and, and, and work ethic enough to bring that talent out. But it doesn't mean, you know, he's not Durant, pick up basketball, passion for hoops, wants to ball every day. That's not Lowry. So um, it's a perfect landing spot for him, and that's going to be an interesting team for the next couple of years because Love's contract comes off, I believe, after this season finally. Maybe it's got one more. I don't even know. It's, it's been an awful contract for years. And then I think Sexton's a piece they move, and they can possibly get an asset back for that. So um, they have some interesting things in place, yeah. Yeah, and Kevin Love right now, I mean, there's still a long ways to go. Kevin Love has moved himself into the uh, conversation for sixth man of the year. Yeah. He's yeah. playing unbelievably off the bench. All right, further down in the standings, I mean, Boston's just an enigma. I think you might have even been, you know, in, in Boston when they, you know, the Bulls came back. Yeah, they got to trade one of those guys. It just that, doesn't seem to be working. They're just yeah. a soap opera. And the Knicks started out like a house on fire, but they've gone backwards. Um, and what do you make of both those teams? Uh, like I said, I think Boston needs a – it has to send one of them out, probably Jalen Brown. I think it's probably got to go. Um, uh, and, I mean, Boston should be better. It just should be better. When you look at the roster, it should be better. Uh, the Knicks, they overachieved last year. Tom Thibodeau teams always overachieve. And I think this year, I, I'm anxious to see where they finish. And, again, that's not a team you want to play in the first round of the playoffs. I don't care what people say. Tibbs is, you know, that's, that's his time of year. I'll never forget what he did to Brooklyn and how they upset Brooklyn in the playoffs. Um, so yeah, that, that's a team that's kind of dangerous. If they can even make the postseason, we'll see. Okay. Out West. I mean, Golden State has been really good. Obviously step. Yeah. Step is if he's not the leader for MVP, he's right there with Durant and DeRozan. Um, you know, Phoenix is obviously very good. They're actually better this year than I thought they'd be. I thought they would, they would go backwards. They started one and three and then of course won 18 in a row. So they're obviously very good. Utah's, you know, Utah's very good. Um, they're just, always regular season very good. Yeah, I, I just can't put my finger on them because they're, they're, like you said, they're a regular season really good team. Yeah. Memphis, Memphis has stepped up this season, and then you know what? I don't discount the Lakers, and and I don't, I never will discount LeBron. I just won't. I mean, no. everybody else has written them off. I'm not one of them. If Anthony Davis comes back and plays like you know one of the five best players in the world, of which he's that talented. I'm not discounting that team. Well, here's what I'll say about the Lakers, and and I, I don't I don't like Russell Westbrook as a as a as a person with media player. 
that you have to deal with. I have no use for a guy like that. Um, but I will say this about him. A couple years ago in Houston, first couple months was awful, wasn't working. He and Harden having issues. Look how it finished. They figured it out. With Washington, he and Beal started off slow, wasn't working. Look how they finished last year. So he has had a history of figuring things out. I will say that. The problem, I have a bigger problem with with AD, you know, having Superman skills, but or having alpha skills, but being a beta. That's that's my problem with that team. Um, I'm not saying he's uh, Towns soft, but he's close. And and you know when you're in street clothes more than than a uniform, that's an issue. And you know you couldn't get it done in New Orleans. You had the perfect thing handed to you to play with one of the most unselfish elite superstars the game has ever seen. You want a chip, but now you still have that hunger. And to me, that's the the bigger concern is can AD actually return to being AD instead of, you know, he's leaning more towards being cat than he is towards being AD right now. Um, another thing that I love about following you when you're on Twitter is you talk about, oh, they got, got another bum team coming up. And I love that description because there are a lot of bum teams especially in the covid era yeah (laughs) when you got five or six of your regular guys out you're playing g league players those are really bum teams and i'd say and i'm being conservative there's at least 10 teams that are bum teams in the nba yeah and if you get them on a given night where they're shorthanded it's even worse and look i get what billy donovan was saying the other day he was saying you know yeah when you take talented players off the roster the teams aren't better from a talent standpoint but when you have guys that are fighting for a 10-day contract a further look another chance to get out of the g league lance stevenson to get off his couch i mean when you have guys that are getting isaiah thomas when you have guys that are getting these second chances they're going to compete at a high level so the competition level maybe higher than some some regular season games but that doesn't mean the talent and the ability to make baskets is better the games are are fun because they they have been competitive and it has been kind of unique to see some of these guys you almost forget about come back or you're like i remember that dude in college yeah oh yeah he's on a 10-day contract so that's kind of been neat to do that um but that doesn't mean the quality of play has been good which is interesting. And I was talking to our buddy, Sam Smith, the other day, that great Oracle. And uh, he said, the reason that the Bulls might have a better chance than even any of us thought, you know, and again, it's all matchups in the postseason. is because there's no super teams in the NBA this year. No. And, and that gives almost everybody a chance, which may become, you know, March, April, May will make it really interesting because there is no standout team. No, I mean, used to be able to point to a couple big three teams and say, look, he's got a big three, you got a big three. Now, Golden State may have a big three, or at least a two and a half. You know what I mean? When Clay gets back, we'll see how he is. If Kyrie's playing full time and Harden can stop looking like fat Harden, they have a legit big three. Okay. And that used to be the standard. When you look around, though, at the beginning of the year, there really weren't the big three has kind of been demoted to a big two just the way guys have moved and joined and stuff like that um there's a lot of really good big two and a halves i'll say that i mean bam and jimmy and then 
hero or you know what I mean? Are they a two and a half? Are they, you know, and, and so it seems there's a lot more big twos with, with, with specific role players around them than the big three that we always, you know, were harping on for almost a decade, whether it was Boston and then Miami and um, Golden State, you go right down the line. Um, so that will be interesting to see who figures that out, whose role players are better, um, and what exactly emerges. And, again, the thing we talked about earlier, we still don't know what happens come trade deadline time. We also don't know uh, – well, as of right now, we're going through yet another COVID outbreak and teams left and right, you know, are trotting out players that you won't yeah, – listen, I'm an NBA junkie, and I don't know some of these guys, I'll be honest with you um, – and come a month or maybe two months from now, they're going to be back in street clothes doing some other job or playing in the G League or something. Yeah. Does the NBA sort of look at this whole thing? I mean, they're they're trying not to postpone games, but sometimes they just have to. Are they just trying to get to the point where COVID hopefully will not be a problem February, March, and then everything sort of falls into place? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think this is the herd immunity experiment. They're pushing it through. I think most of the sports, um, most of the sports organizations are taking that mentality. And here's the thing: you can do that because you haven't had that catastrophe happen. You've had most of the players complain, "Why aren't I allowed to be out there? My only symptom is boredom. I've had a sniffle. I've had a sore throat. Why am I not out there? Um, why do I got to go through these cardio? I mean, no one's had any cardio issues." I mean, the cardio thing, when you think about it, the genesis of it was the tight end from Indiana two years ago, the, the kid. And, and, and it's unfortunate that that happened to him. But again, you know, I talked to Fred Hoiberg about this probably right after it happened because he had the heart issues. And he even said, unless that kid was pre-screened before COVID, you don't know what heart issues he had before that. So, you know, they're doing all this cardio testing, which is an extra two days in the protocol. But yet I haven't seen any NBA guy. Now, maybe I'm forgetting a story or something that's had a heart issue because of COVID. Now, there's some guys that had wind problems. Tatum had problems coming back. Um, but I don't think it was anything where there's been a catastrophe where they've said, holy moly. So I think they put their head down and said, hey, these are the protocols. We're going to lighten the protocols. These are the elite athletes in, in the sport. We're going to trust that that body type and how they're built will carry them through that, and we're going to put our heads down and fight through this thing. Yeah, and obviously full speed ahead, and they don't want to lose. I mean, let's let's face it, um, money is a factor here, and they don't Without want to lose question. Any. Yeah. All right, one last one. And speaking of money, and, and sort of abated the subject, but it was brought up you know, a little bit before Christmas again, an in-season tournament. I, and I just don't yeah. understand that one at all. Help me. I don't know how you – put enough of incentive on that for guys to be excited about putting that wear and tear on their body. I mean, I just don't, I don't see the, what, what are we getting out of this? I mean, you have a hard enough time getting guys are excited about playing a back-to-back, -back. you know what I mean? I mean, the league's had to step in on that several times. So what's the incentive? What really is going to move the needle where, yeah, I want to do that until all that de those details are worked out. Um, now, I would like to see something different with the draft, some kind of tournament with the teams that don't make the playoffs. I don't know how you would do that or if it would be worth it or how much value that the viewers would take in that. 
Um, but I think that would take some of the, you know, and the staggering the lottery like they have has helped with the tanking. But I still think you definitely know there's teams out there that are still tanking and saying, all right, if it's a deep draft and it's seven or eight guys we want, what the hell do we care for one, two, three, or eight? You know what I mean? So um, I'd like to see something with that in the postseason. But to have an in-season tournament when you're having so much trouble keeping guys healthy, keeping rosters intact for a pandemic that, you know, who knows, who knows, this might be our, our new normal moving forward and strain new strains and new, you know, and you're going to add an in-season tournament on that. Good luck. Yeah. All right. One last one on touching on what you just brought up. Listen, uh, a pandemic turns into what I guess they call an endemic, you know, so, uh, um, COVID could be like the flu going forward, you know, forever and ever and ever. Does that mean that we never in any sport, by the way, get ever into a locker room again to talk to these guys? I mean, that's the that's the million dollar question for sports writers right now is, is the locker room lost to us? Um, it'll be interesting. Um, will it be guidelines? Will it be just a, you know, I won't say who I had the discussion with, but going into the season because before the, the strain and Omicron and all, all this new stuff and going from summer where things kind of felt like they were returning back to normal. There was talk that um, locker rooms could become available to just a couple people. Um, you know, what it would probably be the traveling media. Um, and that was quickly squashed either because of logistics of it or because of what was happening with, with new strains. And um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, that's out of my pay grade. Um, it's definitely, as you know, it's made our job way more difficult because the best stuff is, is comes, comes out of that road locker room. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah. I mean, every so often you'll get a guy at home off by yourself. It's a lot harder because there's cameras around and there's more media around, but the best stuff is that road locker room. That's when you get guys that are like, come here. You can't put my name on this, but this shit's going down and I'm going to tell you why. And I mean, that's always been your best stuff. I don't care the sport. That's always been your best opportunity as a writer. And that's been stripped from us. And, and, and as you know, the home stuff is very generic right now. Uh, it's unfair for the reader because they're getting, you know, I try to do things differently than just the stuff we're given each day, whether it's me just examining numbers or I'm just trying to do stuff differently. Cause I just hate, that there's a lot of days where we all have the same thing. And so, um, but it gets hard. I mean, you can only get creative on on, certain days. You just are just brainless and just say, all right, I'm just regurgitating this. So um, yeah, it's, it's tough. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I hope so because to me that's journalism. Yeah. The new normal just plain sucks. Uh, Yeah. And I keep hearkening back to the olden days and it's only a couple years ago, but, It feels like a decade or longer since we've been in locker rooms. And, yeah, I used to bitch about standing around, especially in a clubhouse in baseball. But Yeah, baseball is the worst because of that. But I, but I miss it nonetheless. Remember, remember the access we used to have in baseball before they changed the rules? If you oh, were yeah. on the road and you get in, I think, 3.30, you'd open it up, and the team wouldn't go hit to, like, I think, what, like 5.15? Or... Yeah. I mean, you're talking hours. I mean, that's how I built all those great relationships with your Jim Parquets and your Mike Sirodkas. Cause you're just standing around, just being men talking about just anything, you know what I mean? Or women, you know, with women talking to 
uh, a player about family and, uh, you know, just everybody. It was just a big gathering of being social with each other. And that's been completely lost across the board when you take away the locker room or take people out of the locker room. And, it, and it's a shame because you also get to know the other writers too. Yeah. And, and you get to know the ball players beyond their own sport. I mean, I used to love going into the White Sox clubhouse and talking boxing with different guys. Cause I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jose Valentin of all people was a big boxing fan. So you know, every time you, there was a fight, we would talk about it. You know who else was great to talk to about everything except baseball was Griffey Jr. The, the, the time he was with the White Sox. When you wanted to talk football, he would not stop because his kid was kind of a stud football player back then too. And you could get him talking about baseball was like pulling teeth, but about any other sport, especially football, college pro. I mean, he, and he was great, funny to converse with. Um, you know, there's just some guys you just, you just miss out on those relationships by us being pushed out of there. But you know, that's, that's the world we're in. Yeah, I'm just thinking real quickly. Uh, AJ used to love talking college football. Oh. And of course, everything with the Southeast Conference or Florida or whoever. So that was his baby. Uh, the Big Ten uh, SEC arguments he would get into or just <laughs> ripping on Scott Merkin. I mean, come on. You know, I mean, um, Paula Ferris and AJ just had a really good back and forth. I, I remember when Paula was was in Chicago and um, – Peggy Kaczynski was always good. And, and yeah, you miss all that. And, and yeah, I don't, I don't know if we'll ever get that back. And that's, that's kind of sad. Yeah. Here's hoping that maybe, maybe someday we do, but if nothing else, we have those memories. Hey, Joe, I appreciate really, really much you, you joining this podcast today. I hope to see you somewhere in the near future, as opposed to just through this little laptop screen. Absolutely. Sure. You take care. brother.